Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. With me today, you know, there's a song that goes, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. With me today is a gentleman whose big primary focus right now is on networking or making friends, which which is harder as adults. So um, I, I can't wait to introduce him. Nick Gray is the author of The Two-Hour Cocktail Party. We're going to dive into this book a little bit, um, and we're going to learn a little bit more about Nick as a human. So, Nick, thank you for, for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about making new friends and building big relationships in 2023. Yeah, so big, big relationships, um, like making friends isn't that easy. You know, we're so busy being busy. We're busy in our world. Like, talk a little bit about that, you know, um, as as we get older. <laughs> it is. It's harder. It's funny that you mentioned that because it's harder to make new friends as we get older. A lot of people peak in their new friendships, actually in college as an undergrad or getting their master degree, but peaking in college and then you just lose friends as you get older. Maybe when you start a new job, you meet new people, but with work from home and other things, this isolation has really created a loneliness epidemic. It's almost like a friendship recession. And so I've written a book that I'm also happy to wrap and brainstorm about. How can we actually teach adults to make new friends and to build big relationships? Friendships come out of acquaintances. And so I think the power of building your network of acquaintances is something that I have seen so much benefit for. And I'm on a mission to help people learn how to do that for themselves. So I want to underscore that friendships come out of acquaintances. And I don't think people think that way. You know, it's like, mm. how do you get around enough people to, to create acquaintances? you know, versus I need new friends. And you, and you sit on your couch and ponder, how am I going to get friends? Um, but I think that's a, <laughs> it's so simple. And, and yet, uh, you know, and it's profound. And yet, it's, it's hard to actually take action on. So friendships come out of acquaintances. How do you how do you build even more acquaintances? What I have found uh, is I moved to New York City many years ago. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't have friends. I wasn't socially outgoing, but I knew that I wanted to meet people. And I tried to go to networking events, which were oftentimes loud and dark and in crowded rooms. And I never had success at those networking events. They felt too transactional to me. And I decided instead of going to these bad events, I would learn how to host my own. I would bring the party to me. And through a series of trial and error, I hosted hundreds of parties in New York City. I say parties, but really, I want to be clear. These were small gatherings of 15 to 20 people, not crazy blowout, you know, keggers and confetti. It was just simple, more like a happy hour. 
And I hosted and I figured that there was a formula that I learned to host a successful event. Now that I've taught and that I'm very passionate about sharing with others, here's the gist though, is that when you meet somebody, if you're at an event or you're at a conference or even out at the grocery store and you meet somebody interesting, what is your next step? What is your next step to build that relationship? The secret that I found was inviting someone to a happy hour or a cocktail party is the easiest possible way to build a relationship. Many people, if you ask them, oh, I'd love to pick your brain for coffee. I don't know if that happens to you, Dr. P, but for <laughs> me, I don't know. Just kind of, it just feels like I don't know if I want to do that. But if somebody invites me to a party where I can meet other people, meet a lot of people, have interesting conversations, that's a very easy yes. It's also a lightweight, low commitment compared awesome. to a dinner party. Dinner party, you're locked in. You need to know somebody. You There's dietary restrictions. There's all these different things. Anyhow, I'm passionate that happy hours and cocktail parties, these lightweight gatherings, are the way to build acquaintances and big relationships come out of that. I love that. I love that. So um, I'm actually allergic to people asking me to, you know, let's just do coffee and I'll pick your brain. It's like, um, actually, coaching is what I do. So right don't ask to pick my brain like that's yes you know, that, that's actually kind of rude you know yes so. yes yes can you talk more about that as <laughs> as someone that's in demand i think people on the other end don't understand your perspective of that yeah <laughs> thanks for interviewing me that's awesome <laughs> talk more about that dr b uh yeah so uh so that is the thing it's like you know, we're looking at how do you build friendships? How do you build, how do you go from acquaintance to friendship? And, you know, in my world, if you invite me and I have, uh, I have other professionals uh, that I, that are my friends and they're, you know, they're kind of put off by that too. It's like, Hey, can we get together for coffee? It's sort of like, um, you know, I've, I have friends who are dentists and, and it's like, <laughs> Hey, can you look at this? It's like, no, like make an appointment, come over. We'll right. do it professionally. Uh, I'll use, you know, it's like, it's awkward and it's yeah. rude. And yes. so to set up something that you call lightweight, um, I actually love the idea that I'd be investing in something lightweight that's after hours. Yes. Right. It's like, this isn't, it's, it's not about, Oh, I have to go. I have to be on. It's I'm going. If I like it, it's great. If I don't like it, it's great. Uh, my investment and, is little. Yeah. And it's easy for you to leave. Right. Yeah. It's very hard to say yes to a dinner party for high performing individuals like yourself not hard, but you're protective of your time and your calendar. And Correct. a dinner party is an investment. It is a commitment of a place that, frankly, you could get trapped next to somebody that you don't want to talk to. We use the phrase, I use the phrase cocktail party, and it's not about the alcohol. I don't even drink alcohol myself, but it's that phrase cocktail party that represents a lightweight, easy to attend social gathering where you know you'll have a lot of little conversations. And just notice, listeners, that as Dr. P is saying, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. I would be interested in attending that. And here's why. Because as the host of a cocktail party, 
you are giving something to someone before you ask to get anything out of them. You are giving them a chance to talk with and meet a lot of other interesting people. Even if they don't like you, they'll know that there could be 15 to 20 people at this cocktail party that they might be interested in meeting. And through my formula, I talk about how you feature some of the other guests at your party to entice people to want to come and want to attend. I use this thing called my secret weapon, which is guest bios that you send with your invitations, giving little hints of the other attendees, their names, their profession, a fun fact about them to encourage high attendance ratios. So that's something that that's I'm awesome. interested in. As we're brainstorming ways that people can build their network, grow friendships, build their network of acquaintances, when you host a gathering, it's really about giving your guests the chance to meet new people. That's really the secret sauce that I found. That's great. That's really great. It is a, it is a very powerful secret sauce. Um, at at uh, hosted dinner parties, I like a curated conversation. Mm. Right. So it's, it's not like, okay, everybody, here's the food. It's more like, um, let's go around and talk about this, 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 you know, yes. like here's, here's some ideas. Now you do a similar idea in your cocktail parties. You do a similar idea where it's, um, uh, there's a theme that you, that you initiate in terms of yes. discussion. Yes. I call that curated. You call that something else. What, what is that? So I call it structure. Adding a little bit of structure to your social gatherings, I believe, is successful. And I do it through two and a half rounds of um, icebreakers. So I'll explain those icebreakers. But I first just want to note what Dr. P was talking about, which is that structured dinner is a very advanced level move. And for the <laughs> average person, if True. you haven't hosted a lot of social events, you are going to get in over your head if you go from zero to trying to host a structured dinner. And that structured dinner, sometimes called a Jeffersonian dinner, is where there is one conversation that is maintained throughout. And it takes a very, how can I say this, confident or assertive host to be able to pull from people who are not speaking and push, not push down, but to gently ask people that are speaking too much to zip it up so that you can move it along and have a productive discussion with everyone at the table. I have found, and I wrote a book about cocktail parties because almost anyone can host a structured cocktail party, but it truly takes a very advanced host to host a good dinner party with what you were talking about. Can you riff on that a little bit on those dinner conversations or what you've noticed? I'd love to riff, but I'm deeply engrossed in this book. Uh, <laughs> Thank so, you. Yeah, you're welcome. The two hour cocktail party is what you're talking about. Um, I did not know it was called a Jeffersonian dinner. So that's, that's good to know. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's one or two. Basically, you invite six people that you know that do not know each other yes. to dinner. Yeah. And it could be at a restaurant. It could be something you host. It could be um it, it could be <laughs> a potluck. But basically the idea is everyone sits down at the same time and uh the as the host, you ask a question. 
and it's like today's theme is this i would love to know you know what your take on and it could be something as simple as uh fashion movies you know what was what's your take on the latest movie round of movies that's come out or it could be something as serious as what's your take on how we're going to increase diversity throughout uh corporate culture it could be um or you know is that even a thing you know and it's like well now it's a challenge to question is that even a thing because now you're engaging higher Mm. higher critical thinking Mm. so you're right the the idea here is that you as the host trust each of the attendees to be respectful of the others um and there is an investment because when you ask a question like let's talk about diversity in a corporate culture um you're asking people to be wide open about their own personal biases yes and and i think that that's you know that is a solid question um and it's worthy of exploration and you get interesting information it doesn't have to be that question it could be anything um as I said, it could be climate change. It could be, uh, you know, what do you think of the diminishing population of sea turtles? And what are we going to do about that? Right. So yeah, it could be anything um, where people could go. I have no idea. I that is not something that's my expertise. I'd love to know more. Or yes. it could be it could be, um, you know, that is my area of expertise. And here's what I think. And yes. It's like, that's awesome. You have four minutes go, yes. um, which is the containment. But at a cocktail party, um, that's not my area of expertise. And so, you know, and I've been invited to my share of cocktail parties. So so let's talk about, right, I, I feel at ease when I enter a room, personally. I'm mm-hmm. good. I don't have to know everybody. I used to think, I should, you know, I used to think it was sort of like... Um, almost like sport i have to get to meet you know every single person in the room and i have to know i have to i have to remember something memorable about each person so they'll remember me and and it's like you're competitive you're so competitive well you you know if if i'm gonna be at a cocktail party i better you know it's like that's so Uh it's so much pressure that's unnecessary yeah and that's the point right that a cocktail party is a lightweight investment of time and personal energy and and it might dare i say be fun so so let's talk about like for people who aren't quite as confident and they've been invited or for people who aren't quite as confident and they want to do the inviting of acquaintances Mm. Let's talk about some of the steps, Nick. Like, you know, your book is, I'm holding it up one more time, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party by Nick Gray. The <clears throat> How great is that, that you, like, get these shout-outs all throughout? Thank you. Um, this is you, great. Thanks for helping me share the book. I'm happy. That makes yeah, me happy. I'm I'm happy to share it because throughout the book, you, you've written it in a structured format. It's like, mm. first try this, but there's a challenge. Next, do this, but have your prep in order. Next, do this. Think about the time it's going to take. And it's it's great because the way you've written it is um, it is step by step. And it's like it's sort of like the but wait, have this ready first. Yes, I love it. So 
walk us through it. Walk us sure. through that, if you would. So cocktail party. I My goal is to get 500 people to read my book and to host a party for their friends and family and then to call me the day afterwards and send me their group photo of a picture of everybody wearing name tags. That's my goal is to get not just how many books can I sell, but to really get 500 people to actually read it. Because you know, the sad fact is that most nonfiction books sell less than 1500 copies, number one. And number two is most business books on average only get read 23 pages. The, the book only gets read the first 23 pages. And so I'm on a mission to get people to actually read my book and host a party. And I want to encourage your listeners to think, how could this party maybe change my life? How could it help me meet more people? Because you never know what new friend or acquaintance could change your life, whether it's through a business relationship, a romantic relationship, a business partner, a neighbor that could tell you about a new housing opportunity. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, and I've come up with sort of a formula, I guess, for hosting a cocktail party that I'll tell you exactly what's in the book. If you don't want to buy it, that's fine. I'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> Think about my name, Nick, N-I-C-K. And it's the Nick party formula. N stands for name tags. Everyone at your party is going to wear a name tag. It's what Dr. P talked about, about the introverts, the people who might not be as comfortable as he is when you walk into the room. If that's you, I have a solution. It's not just name tags. I'll talk about what else the party formula has for introverts. So say, say that last part again. It's for name tags aren't just for you. It's for... It's for everybody else. The name tags are for everybody else to show that this isn't a party of clicks. When you come to this party and you accept the invitation, there, there will be name tags because when you walk into the room, I don't know about you, but I hate the idea of walking in the room like I'm the only one who doesn't know people. Now I have to go up and like introduce myself. The benefits that I found is when you have name tags at your party, it looks like everyone is on the same team. It's almost like a sports jersey where you're all part of the same club, right? With name tags at a gathering, it says, hey, we're all here to meet new people. This is a safe space to come up and say hello to new people. And it also just makes it easier. I'm bad with names myself. Dale Carnegie said the sweetest sound to anyone's ears is the name of their own voice. Uh, why not help them? making it easier. Yeah. Why not help them to make it easier? Because I don't want to try to remember somebody's name. I don't know if it's, well, if you're like me. You, yeah. You know, what's great about, about name tags also. And I've been to my share of professional events and you meet somebody and you repeat their name and, you know, and, and in their, in your head, you're, you know, you're locking in, okay, this uh -huh. person, this person, that's their name. And you walk away and you come back and you're like, I, I can't remember their name. Yes. Right. And so a yes. name tag, it's like, it's right there. It's yes. going to be right there. And the more you say it and associate it with that person, the, uh, the stronger the connection. So I, I went to a party oh, in New York man. City years ago, and this woman who I'd met before, she was the CEO of this big PR firm, and I'd met her, but I just somehow I forgot her name, and she saw me across the room, and she goes, Nick, it's so good to see you. And I was like, hello, 
and I forgot her name and she knew that I forgot her name. And it was so obvious and a little bit embarrassing to me. And I didn't have the confidence to simply just ask, be like, I'm so sorry, I forgot your name. What was it again? Because I'd seen her for years, but never really connected. I didn't, I just socially, do you know those people you have in your life where like you see mm -hmm. them around the neighborhood on walks or something? Um, what I found is that these name tags, even hosting a party at your own home, really helps you to help create those new connections. And that's what will be famous when you'll become famous for hosting these parties because you'll help your friends meet other friends. So that's the N. That's the N. The N is name tags. I will die on this hill, but <laughs> they have to be used at a party. Um, the I, N-I-C-K, the I in my formula stands for icebreakers. Simple little structure to get everybody in the room to briefly sound off, say their name, say what they do for work or how they spend their day. And then something unique, that's the icebreaker question. I have very specific thoughts I can go into on what good and bad ones are. The C, N-I-C-K, the C stands for cocktails only. This is no dinner party. A dinner party is too complicated for most people. Don't try to do it until you have a lot of experience. And then the K for my formula, the K stands for kick them out at the end. It's only two hours long. This is very important to end and quit the party while you're ahead. You want to end on a high note. You want to pop the balloon. Don't let it slowly fizzle out. <laughs> well That's done. Also That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's also important, by the way, because I suggest people host these parties on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights only, because those are not socially competitive nights. People are more inclined to leave on time, and they're also more inclined to say yes. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday tend to be busier times. They're family times. Social events get scheduled on those nights. When you host a party on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, your guests will be more likely to say yes and you'll have a higher attendance rate, which I found is the number one indicator for a successful gathering is the attendance rate. Well done. That's awesome. Hey, Nick, how much does a polar bear weigh? I don't know. How much does a polar bear weigh? I don't know either, but it's enough to break the ice. Hey, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's, That's awesome. good. That's fun. It's an old joke or it's an old, I guess it might even be a pickup line. I don't know. I, I heard fun. it somewhere along the way, but it's like, yeah, it's an icebreaker. It's a polar bear anyway. So uh, name tags, icebreaker, cocktails only, not dessert, not dinner, not uh, just like maybe light hors d'oeuvres can go with cocktails. So people don't get, you know, hammered or whatever, but light you know. snacks is what I say to people is you awesome. can get, chips you can get salsa you can get guacamole you can have salted nuts what i don't want you to do is say "Ooh, i'm gonna cook samosas well with samosas now i have to make chutney oh since i'm having chutney now i need to have this and that because people end up spending i've talked to hundreds of people hosting their first party consistently i hear them say they spent too much time and too much money on the food and the drinks people don't come for that they come for the connections and the conversations my role as your party awesome. coach is to help make your party easy and stress-free. 
Your friends are adults. They can feed themselves. Don't feel the obligation to feed them. I say, I would rather have somebody leave my party hungry than bored. <laughs> so I focus on that, how to keep That's them awesome. entertained and keep the energy high. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Let's talk about icebreakers. Let's talk about um, how you keep the energy high. Because um, it's almost like you don't let people free range mingle. <laughs> like there's right. There's, there's no free range mingling in, at, at your uh, structured, I was going to say uh, yeah. curated, at your structured uh, cocktail parties. It's not about free range mingling. I also want to talk about, so let's talk a little bit about what the structure, like yeah. approximately yeah. what time do you have people? Because they work. Good. Um, yes. So what time do people come over? What's yeah. the attire? Do you, you know, yep. for some, it's a cocktail party. It's a dress up thing. For others, right. it's like, oh, it's a, you know, come and chill. So I want to talk about that. And I want to okay. talk about follow-up. Oh, 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 can you cool. talk? Like, what do you mean about follow-up? Well, we've had this great party. You're the host. Do you send out uh, thank you notes? Do you send out, do you wait for thank you notes to come to you? Do you uh, make connections amongst the attendees? Like now that you've all met, here's each other's connection, you know, information. It's like, well, that's, is that a violation of some sort? So, so what do you do once you've thrown people in a room together? You've invited them over, you've given them some libation, and then yes. what? What happens afterwards? What happens afterwards? What is the follow-up? Well, here's what I suggest people do. Well, start, yeah, start with what time are you holding the meetings? What time Good. are you Good. You're inviting them over at what time? So number one, what time do you invite people over? You need a two-hour time block that works for your local community. On average, for most people, that is... 6.30 to 8.30, but I'll tell you where it changes. In New York City, I hosted a lot of my parties from seven to nine. That's because the culture in New York was working later and staying up later. When I moved here to Austin, Texas, I was shocked that happy hours were typically hosted from 5 to 7 p.m., much earlier. A lot of people that read my book host it from 6 to 8 6.30 to 8.30, 7 to 9, 5 to 7 even. But choose a time that works for you. And what you want to do and note and tell people is to set the expectations that there won't be a formal dinner served. There's a cocktail party. There'll be light snacks. But give them time to either go home after work or come straight from work. But choose a two-hour time block that works for them 
that also acknowledges that on a Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday night, people need to get home because they have work or school or something the next day. So that's the first thing for the time. Now, Dr. P mentioned about that structured time. At my parties, there is a lot of structure, but the structure is broken up by unstructured time, which is just mixing and mingling. Where most hosts make a mistake, in my opinion, is having the party entirely unstructured. They say, you know what? I'm not going to do an icebreaker. I want to be a chill host. I want to be cool. I'm, I'm not going to do an icebreaker. You know, that sounds silly. I just want people to mix and mingle naturally. And that's actually showing a lack of leadership on the host side. You're actually doing your guests a disservice by not adding a little bit of structure to help people create new connections. At our core, for many of us, we are resistant to take risks. And for many people, they will talk to those that are around them or nearby only. They're not going to march across the room and say, hey, I want to talk to you. What do you do for work, right? Well, when you lead an icebreaker, it gives all of your guests an excuse to meet new people. Ooh, that person works at such and such. I've been curious about that. Ooh, that person likes this hobby. I'm curious. I'll go talk. Oh, I heard you mention this. Nice to meet you. My name is Nick. That's what the icebreaker does. It's not so much about the answers to their icebreaker questions. It's just giving people a silly little conversational crutch. Now, there's a secret, however. At my parties, I have people run two and a half rounds of these icebreakers. And one of the secret purposes of the icebreakers is that it actually helps you end conversations. Have you ever been at a party and you get stuck talking to somebody and you're kind of like too nice to cut it off? Does that ever happen to you, Dr. P? It's, it has happened to me. Social slash emotional vampires. Oh, that's a really good term for that. Right? Because they, they, they suck the life out of you so that you cannot talk to somebody else. Yes. Um, and, or they suck the energy out of you so that you're like, I'm just done with this party now. Thanks. Like, yeah. I'm right? just exhausted. Yeah. That was a lot. And I don't, yeah. I feel like I have some of those people in my life where afterwards you are more drained than you are energized. Right. And I think it's, I think intention is important as well, Nick, like mm. for those that you invite to give the intention of like, come with your best energy, yes. come ready to lift other people, come ready to, uh, to learn from other people, like open, but also yes. give, right? Yes. And saying that, by the way, as a little pro tip, I have found that saying the intention, the why we do the icebreakers, hey, everybody, I hosted this party to mix and mingle various friend groups that I have throughout the city. I've met you all in various places in my life, and I wanted to mix people up because it's hard to meet new people as an adult. And we're going to do a round of icebreakers to give you an excuse to go up and meet somebody new. So we're going to go around the circle, and I want everybody to say their name, say what they do for work, and say one of your favorite things to eat for breakfast. What's your go-to? For example, mine is I make scrambled eggs with spinach, but my secret ingredient is coconut oil. It makes the egg, the egg sort of richer, and it's got a nice, nice taste to it. 
Now, do I actually care what people eat for breakfast? Not necessarily, but does it express a little bit about their personality? Now, that icebreaker, what's one of your favorite things to eat for breakfast, is great to use at the beginning of an event when the room is cold and there's not a lot of rapport built up. Mm-hmm. Later on in the night, I use what I call an advanced level icebreaker, one that is additive to the room. May I share one of my favorite advanced icebreakers? Please. One of my favorite advanced icebreakers is, what is a great piece of media that you've consumed recently? That could be a podcast like this. It could be a book that you read, a movie you watched, a TV show that you binged on Netflix. It could even be an article that you read that made you think. And I will give people a five-minute warning before I ask this question. I'll say, hey, everybody, in five minutes, we're going to do the last icebreaker of the night. The question will be, what's your favorite piece of media? What's something you read or watched recently that made you think? I'll share all those examples with them, a movie, an article, a book, something like that. This is an icebreaker that is additive to the room because everybody will get ideas on a new book to read, a new TV show to watch, and it adds to your event and leaves people feeling smarter than before they came. They have new ideas. They get recommendations from people they've met and they now trust. And I find today where we're digitally saturated with recommendations, we don't know who to trust online, that hearing from a room of your peers ideas for new things to consume really leaves people exiting your party with this idea like, dang, Dr. P is an amazing host. I got all these ideas. I met these new people. I heard good suggestions. It adds value to the room. Another one that I like to use is What is your favorite city or life hack for the city that we're in now? I happen to be in uh, Austin, Texas right now. And so I could say, what is one of your favorite dog parks, walking trails, local businesses you like to support, pool you like to swim in? What's one of your favorite city hacks that you love that you would recommend to some others in this town? That is an additive icebreaker. You're sharing suggestions for other people that can make their life better and everybody gets to share these little ideas. You'll notice people whipping out their phones, wanting to write down stuff, following up, going to ask other people their ideas for that. Those types of icebreakers later on in the night, when people have built up rapport, they're a little looser and warmed up. Those are incredibly helpful icebreakers, and they also will make people think of you as a thought leader, as a super connector, because you're inspiring and encouraging these types of conversations. What do you think? <laughs> Nick, I I love this. This is, you know, those examples could be used in the uh, curated conversation kind of dinners for the advanced level. Yes. So, you know, what you've talked about, what's the difference between a cold versus additive? I I think it's great. One of the one of the cold questions I learned from someone a while ago was um what's your favorite sandwich and where was it like i love that and also i'm hungry now isn't it great no but isn't it great like what's your favorite sandwich and where where would you get it yes and and it's like it makes you think it's an emotional question believe it or not right it's like favorite sandwich like now you have to think yeah all social pretense gets to go away And it's like, my favorite sandwich is this. And it was in this town. And suddenly, as you're remembering it, you're actually reliving it. So you you put yourself in an emotional space. 
now people also get like it's also it's cold but it's also a chance for people to go well i visit that town all the time where is that yeah right and now you're actually exchanging so beyond breakfast it's like now you're actually exchanging resources like well the best place to get this kind of sandwich in that town is blah 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 I love right it. yeah so, what is it exactly for the listeners it's what is your favorite sandwich and where would you get it yeah yeah yeah, where did you have it? Where did you where did you have this favorite sandwich? Like, you know, um, I'm a big fan of like uh, hot corned beef or a Reuben. Yes. And, and there's a place you would think, you know, New York City. Yeah, I, it's I've had good ones there. But the ones that I the one that I really remember was actually at a place in Palm Springs. Oh, so. Huh. Wait, yeah. what's the difference between uh, a Reuben and a pastrami sandwich? <laughs> sauerkraut. Sourdough. Sour, sauerkraut and the Thousand Island dressing that goes on. Uh, there you go. That's my favorite. I love a good pastrami sandwich. I do now too. I want a Reuben as well. I like sauerkraut too. So this is a good question. I like this. So what's your favorite sandwich and where did you get it? And, yeah. and you know, as you're listening to this for our audience, as you're listening to this, think about that. And if that question doesn't make you smile, what's up? Like, yeah, like, yeah. That, it's a question that is so, um, it's so free. It's not, there's no judgment around any of it because no one can say, well, you like liverwurst and onions. That's ridiculous. It's like, you like that. That's your choice. Awesome. Where'd you get it? You know, yeah. um, so, so there's that. Um, so you do this a few times. You do cold icebreaker at the beginning. Yes. Um, I'm assuming that a little ways in, maybe 40 minutes in, you're doing the, the additive. Yep. Is that about the right timing? So here's the timing that I suggest for people. Two and a half icebreakers. That half one comes first. And it's for the first four to six people who've arrived at your cocktail party. By the way, the ideal number of people yes. to have at your cocktail party, in my experience, is 15 to 20 people. Okay. Less than 15, and there's not enough energy in the room. It doesn't reach critical mass. And counterintuitively, the less people means the more work for you as a host. With nine people, there's not people, there's not enough energy, right? There's basically four and a half pairs in the room. Not enough energy. With 15 people, you can kind of step away from your party a little bit. You can welcome guests. You can take a breather as you need. And the energy keeps going. People are mixing and mingling. I found above 20, 22 people, the icebreakers take too long. And for a new host, it's a little bit too much a little bit too much to manage at the beginning. 15 to 20 is ideal. Now, at every single party, and you have probably noticed this as well, the same thing happens. It's called the awkward zone. And that's the first 10 to 20 minutes before people have arrived. Before enough people have shown up, there's only three, four people. And it's kind of hard as a host. You know, you're, you're putting the final touches on your organization. People are showing up. They're awkward. They don't exactly know what to say. I find that sometimes the people I know the least are the first to show up. Mm. They show up right on time. And so I do this beginner round of icebreakers to help me exit 
the awkward zone. All these people that don't have structure, I say, hey, everybody, let me practice an icebreaker real quick. And let's just very br briefly go around the circle. Just say your name, say what you do for work. And what's one of your favorite things that you like to eat for breakfast? I tell them, we're going to do this icebreaker later when everybody shows up, but let's just do it now real quick. That little structure and release gives people encouragement to start new conversations with other people, to mix, to mingle. They also then help me on sort of my A team to have the confidence to lead the whole room icebreaker when people show up. My book is really targeted towards people that have never hosted an event like this. Maybe not folks like you who feel naturally warm and comfortable as a leader with public speaking, but for them, this may be the first time that they're ever doing that. And so I do that first icebreaker just to give them the confidence to do it for the whole room. I love, I love that because you're sort of letting them in on a secret, you know, yeah. they're, yeah. we're going to be doing this again, but for now, why don't you, you know, why don't you just tell each other, you know, your names, what you do for work, where are you? And. You know, it's not a it's not a time necessarily to brag, but, you know, just to let people get to know you a little bit and and, uh, you know, what's your go to for breakfast? I think it becomes very conversational and it it teaches them. It sort of models and paces. Yes. them. Plus, it prepares them. So, it yeah, teaches I, mean, and models you, and prepares. You, I love that idea. What you said that it lets them in on the secret sort of. Well, it is right. It's like, mm -hmm. look, you guys, we're going to do this and you can you can lean in with that look you know we're gonna do this when people get here yeah. um you guys are the first why don't you start here then you'll be ready when we actually do this in the bigger group yeah and um it it is a way of instilling confidence but by, by doing that so i love that um you talked about your book in my book i right yes so, yeah that's awesome it's i just i want to hold up like a a sample page it's not like it's thick, but it's not hard to read because it's bullet points. Yes. It's cartoons. It's like yeah. it's easy to read. So um, so don't be intimidated. You mentioned that, you know, people read 23 pages of a business book. It's actually um, it, I'm going to I'm going to hold up one of my books. The difference yes. in size, like yes. people read, people do tend to read cover to cover if it's under a hundred pages. Oh, I did. Th that's a great tip. Yeah. So all of my books, they're written as if you hear me speaking. Yes. Even Smart. the business book, like the, this is called the significance factor. Um, so it's written even like as if we were just having a conversation. Smart. Um, and it's under a hundred pages. It's easy to read. And even with that, when, I, when people get it, I recommend they read six pages at a time. Let it digest. Really? Let it just percolate. Yeah. Don't try and read it cover to cover. Read six I pages. I love that challenge to read six pages. Yeah. Just six pages. Yeah. You know? If you must read a seventh or an eighth, okay. But recognize it's less than 100 pages. You'll get through this in under 10 days. Awesome. You know, it's like, or, or 10 to, you know, 15 days. It's like. What it's a cool a idea to challenge people to say, read six pages. Because you know what? They probably read a couple more right? But six pages. There's the psychology of it. Exactly right. So how many pages should we read in the two-hour cocktail party? Six pages. Awesome. <laughs> what a great idea. Right? And it's like, you know, even though it's a couple hundred pages, it's like, it's so, it's so light 
it, it's like everything about this is light and easy. Um, before we started recording, I told you, um, I I said, yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't read all the way through it because I'm allergic to homework, and and it's like ah, I don't want homework. It's like it's a fun book when you start reading through it. It's a fun book. So yeah, um, so I'm endorsing it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the prep. It's one of the greatest compliments I've got when somebody says, oh, I read your book in one sitting. I tried (laughs) to make it pretty easy to read. Yeah. Um, All right. So we're coming close to the end of our time together. Here's a question. Um, What haven't we answered? What were you hoping I would ask you? And how do people find you and or the book? So those are three questions. What have like go? That's it. Like you don't need me to repeat it. Just go. Sure. One, it's, I want your viewers and listeners to think, how could this party, how could new friends, how could new acquaintances maybe change your life? Nice. A lot of us have the same friends and the same contacts, and we we, we kind of carry through life, but we wonder how might life be different if we had a group to support, encourage, and challenge us. I have found, and I've received so many benefits myself, that it's my social network. It's the people I spend the most time with who challenge and inspire me. The best way I've found to do that is to host a gathering. It helps you meet new people, rekindle these lost connections we have. And a lot of us have 10, 15, 20 people, whether it's LinkedIn or our neighbors or whoever, who we could invite to a simple gathering. Your friends will love you for it. Um, What didn't you ask me? I think the biggest mistakes that most people make, the biggest mistake they say is this is something I'll get around to doing eventually. And they continue to deprioritize it, thinking that it'll take too much time. I've tried to write a formula that in the time it takes you to watch a Netflix movie, about two hours, you can reconnect with 15 to 20 people. I tried to make it as easy as possible. And then where can you find my book? I recorded the um, audiobook myself in a studio, and you can find it on Audible, uh, Apple Books, on Spotify. I'm really passionate, and I tried to record it with a level of excitement and energy that folks really like. So if you like listening to things, you might enjoy the audiobook. You can buy it wherever books are sold online. It's on Amazon with over 300 reviews, a 4.8 star rating. Check it out. Satisfaction guarantee. If you don't think it's packed with value, I'll send you your money back. That's awesome. I do the same. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. I, I, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking or when I'm, you know, uh, on a podcast or whatever, it's like, look, buy it. If you really, really, really don't like it, just tell me, I'll send you, you know, I'll send you money back. It's It's smart, right? You know, it's like, Cause it's, it's, there's gotta be something in there that you're going to pick up. Yep. This is awesome, Nick. This is really good. I'm actually going to start the show notes with that, with that question. How, how could new friends change your life? Um, I love that idea. And if I can make one plug for the show notes, I'm going to send you a link to how to host a happy hour, how to plan a networking event, and even something like how to host a housewarming party or plan a baby shower. All of these types of major events we have in our lives can benefit from a little bit of structure to help your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues meet more people. And you will be seen as a super connector when you add a little bit of structure that can apply to any social event or gathering. Perfect. All right. So I look forward to those links. Uh, make sure I have your LinkedIn link uh, okay. because because uh, Nick Gray is 
while unique and fun, um, it, there are going to be a few of you out there. So thank uh, you. Cool. Awesome. Uh, my, that's funny. I don't know if you heard that. My, uh, my focus where I had the, uh, the, the sound off for an hour, uh-huh. apparently I've exceeded that time. So things that's are funny. starting to beep and buzz at my end. I thank you so much for being here. Nick Gray, the author, uh, among other things, of How to Build Big Relationships with Small Gatherings. That's the subtitle. The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, Nick Gray. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, a pleasure. All right, this is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. We will see you here next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor. 